put it on your heart and pray after me. Heavenly Father, speak to me this morning. I open my heart. I open myself. I open my mind to the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit as you quicken this message into my life in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to be continuing on um, with the, the series on why that we've been doing, and this morning is my last message in this series. Um, there's probably a possibility that we could do this again next year, and I'll look at some different things about why we're looking at the why, why question. Uh, if you're taking notes this morning, the, uh, the title of my message is, and it's probably very appropriate and apt this morning since it's daylight saving time, is why I need an alarm clock. That's the title of my message this morning. It is why I need an alarm clock. Okay, so we're going to look at Matthew chapter 9 and verse 9 through to verse 13. And it says this, and this is the New Living Translation. It says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw, everyone say saw. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me, text. I nearly said text collectors. I must be thinking crows. I don't know what that's about. Uh, He saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to come to his house as a dinner guest, along with many other tax collectors and other disreputable, disreputable sinners. It's interesting, like you can have a sinner, but there's a disreputable sinner. I mean, there's a, there's a clear demarcation between the two, you know. There's, there's a sinner, that's, you know, but then there's a, there's a sinner, you know. Anyway, that's not my message. <clears throat> I just saw that then, I thought that was pretty good. Um, but when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat, eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he said, Healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know that they are sinners. Now, I don't know about you, but um, there's this perception I think that we have that we're supposed to speak to every single person that we meet about Jesus. I'm supposed to get everyone that I meet saved. I'm supposed to pray for everybody that is sick uh, right then and there. I, I, I have to help them in some way step across the line of salvation. It, it, it doesn't matter who they are. I, I think that you know, we have this perception that's what we're supposed to do. And I've felt this huge pressure and this guilt come on me because I felt so guilty at times because I've not shared my faith or spoken to someone about Jesus or even helped them to pray the sinner's prayer. Is there anyone else here who feels the same way as me? Three, four. Okay, the rest of you, I, help me to do this. I don't know how you do this, but you know. I don't believe Jesus actually wants us to live with that pressure or that guilt associated with that area. I don't believe that God wants us to live with that at, at, at any point. Because I actually saw something as I, be, as I began to read this, this passage. See, even Jesus knew that there were people that he wouldn't be able to connect with. 
because they thought that they didn't need anybody's help. They didn't need a saviour. They didn't need a redeemer. They didn't need a healer. And quite frankly, they didn't need any help with their lives. When I read that passage, that's, what's, that, that's how it spoke to me. There were people that were actually in, in this, this party. They were at this gathering, this, this, this lunch or this dinner, whatever it was. There were some that did, but there were definitely some that thought, you know what, don't need your message, don't need what, need what you're peddling. Because it says that Jesus said to these guys, healthy people don't need a doctor. In other words, what he said, there are people here, you know what, you're not sick, don't need a doctor. But there are some who are sick here. He says, for I've come not to call those that think they are righteous, but I've come to call those that know that they are sinners. There were people that Jesus was going to be able to minister to, and there were people that Jesus was not going to be able to minister to. There were some at this party that did need Jesus, some guests or the Pharisees that didn't see themselves as being sick. They, they, they didn't see themselves as being sinners, so they had no need of Jesus. But there were some that Jesus could minister to and make whole. There were some that Jesus could bring salvation and hope and grace and forgiveness to. If Jesus were around today... Who would he hang out with? Who would Jesus speak to? Who would he relate to? Who would he connect with? Who would he meet with and, and ask questions of? When I look at the life of Jesus, I, I see some of these people that Jesus connected with. There was the sick, the, the guy with the, the withered hand in the synagogue. There's the spiritual elite, Nicodemus. He, he connected with Nicodemus. Nicodemus came to him one day and says, tell me about this new born-again thing. It, Jesus hung around and connected with demonized people. There's the, the demon, the demoniac in, in the tombs. Jesus hung around the curious. There was the woman by the, the well, the Samaritan woman by the well. He, he hung around tax collectors. There's Matthew and, and, uh, and there was Zacchaeus. He hung around fishermen. There was Peter, Andrew, and James. He hung around tent makers. He showed up for Paul, the, the tent maker, on the road to Damascus. He, he hung around with poor people. There was the woman who had the two coins and put them in the offering. Jesus hung around with the poor. He hung around with the rich people. There was the rich young ruler that went away disappointed. Jesus hung around and connected with this young man. Did you know? Jesus even hung around mothers-in-law. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah. Peter, Peter's mother, he hung around Peter's mother. Who'd have thought? It seems that Jesus connected with so many different people from so many different walks of life and all in a variety of stages in their journey of coming to know him. There was such a huge variety of people on different journeys in their lives. And each time Jesus connected with those around him, he simply noticed them. He, he saw them. John chapter 5, verses 19 to 20 says, So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He, listen, he does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. 
For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he's doing. In fact, the Father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man that he just healed. Then you will truly be astonished. You see, Jesus sprang into action only when he recognized a situation in which his Father was active. There was something about a person or a situation or a a setting that Jesus found himself in that suddenly came alive to him because he recognized that the Father was active in that moment. When God the Father was about to do something, Jesus partnered together with what the Father in heaven was about to do. John chapter 7 verses 15 to 16 says, The people were surprised when they heard him. How does he know so much when he hasn't been trained? This is talking about Jesus. They're talking about Jesus. They're looking at Jesus, the things that he's doing, the things that he's a part of, and they're saying to him, well, how, did he, how does he know so much? He hasn't been trained, they say. And so Jesus told them, I don't teach my own ideas, but the truth revealed to me by the one who sent me. And I've got to tell you, this passage, this, these couple of verses brought great hope to me. Because I am not a person that has been trained either. I've not, I've not been a person that someone has sat me down and says, okay, when you get this type of person, this is how you're to make this approach. This, when you get this type of person, this is the type of approach that you need to make. When you need to expound this particular truth, this is how you need to make this approach. This is how you need to unfold it. There are so many different varied and, and a variety of ways that we, we can encounter people. That I don't know about you, but I've never been trained in that. No one's ever sat me down and said, this is how you share your faith. Now, some of us have been in teaching things, and we might have been a part of something that's so, so broad stroke, so, so uh, expansive in the way that it's presented, that you, you know, I, we just need to understand that God is at work right then and there in specific ways. And I think that God is trying to get us and our attention this morning. I'm not trained. I can expect God, I can expect God to reveal truth through me as I hear his voice and say what he puts in my heart. And that's exciting. I'm not a person who's trained, but I can tell the Father's voice. I can sometimes recognize, more often than not, when God is saying something, when he is quickening me, because generally my heart starts to beat like a big bass drum in my chest. You, you start to get clammy hands. Like even now, my hands are freezing because I'm so nervous. Okay? I'm, I'm serious. My, I can feel the extremities just getting cold because I'm so nervous standing in front of such wonderful people. See, there's hope for us, church. Many of us aren't trained or taught how to speak to someone about God or to enter into a spiritual conversation with someone. What we've thought we've needed to do is to tell everybody about Jesus rather than seeking to understand them and where they are in life and on the journey in life. Did you know that Jesus asked over 300 questions in the Bible and he answered only two? 
To me, that tells me that I need, like Jesus, to start to ask a lot more questions rather than telling people how they need to adjust their life. I don't know about you because what I've discovered is that when I ask someone some questions and they start to dig a little bit deeper about the things that are going on in their world, when I start to ask them, how did you come to believe this particular thing? What is it that brought you to this place, this conclusion that you've got now? Help me to drill down on that. Help me to see things from your point of view. And they start to talk about that. You know, Why do you believe that God hates you? Why do you believe that, that God has no place for you in his kingdom? What makes you think that? And people start to... to to dig a little bit deeper in themselves and they discover things for themselves. But whereas if I tell them why God loves them, it's my revelation to them and it's not theirs personally. It's not something that they could own and it's not going to change their life because it's changed my life, not theirs. It's my revelation. Do you understand what I'm saying? But if they come to the decision themselves, they come to a point of discovering why God loves them It will take them into eternity forever. It'll be something that they cannot deny because they've discovered it for themselves. Think about your own life. The things that really changed your world when you came to a point of understanding and discovering for yourself something that you didn't know before and it changed you. And you come to a conviction about some things in your world because you discovered them for yourselves. And I believe that that's what God is wanting us to do in this season is to start to ask some very simple questions of people. Listen listen to this. Luke chapter 12, verses 11 to 12 says this. Remember, this is Jesus speaking. It's in red. Jesus says, remember this. When people accuse you before everyone and forcefully drag you before the religious leaders and authorities, don't be troubled. Don't worry about defending yourselves or be concerned about how to answer their accusations. Simply be confident and allow the spirit of wisdom access to your heart and he will reveal to you in that very moment what you are to say to them. This is talking, Jesus is talking to these people saying, there's going to come a time of persecution. There's going to come a time where people don't want to hear what you've got to say. There's going to come a time because you believe a certain thing And you're going to be dragged before the courts to explain why you believe that, why you've said that, why you've done that particular thing because of the things that you believe. And if you think that this is just for Bible times, you're sadly mistaken. With the way that our society is going today, there are going to be Christians that are dragged before the courts to explain why they won't accept certain beliefs in our community. So there's coming a time when the reality of this scripture will come again for us. It's happening already around our nation. But in the context of this, it's saying that when we're called to give an account for our faith before rulers and judges, the spirit of wisdom, meaning the Holy Spirit, will give us what we need to say at that moment that we need it. Here's my translation of this particular passage of Scripture as well. Okay, Here's what I believe that this can also say to us. If God can do that when we need to defend ourselves for our faith, how much more will he give us what we need to say in the moment when we're reaching out in love, grace and forgiveness to someone we're talking to? We can expect God to show up in a conversation 
We can expect God to turn up in a moment when we, 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 we feel like, I just thought God's speaking. You know, like, I think that God's here. And you don't need to tell that to the person you're talking to. You just have this internal conversation. I don't know about you, but I have internal conversations. Okay, a lot of times. Okay, and, and quite often, like if it's nothing to do with God, it doesn't turn out anything like I think it's, that conversation's going to go. But I'm probably the only one that has that conversation, so I won't go on there. But there's this area where we're just saying, God, what are you saying in this moment? What, what is it you want to say to this person? The Holy Spirit's just shown up. And he wants to, to talk to us. How do we how do, we do that? He, in this passage, he, gives us, he says, simply be confident and allow the spirit of wisdom access to your heart. In other words, be open to what God's doing to you when you're going around, you're, you're doing your daily stuff. Just have an open heart to heaven. Open up to your heart to the Holy Spirit and he's going to drop stuff in your spirit. You're going to suddenly see someone that you know that you've got to talk to. <clears throat> the matter then becomes, are you going to trust that internal voice enough to go and talk to that person? It may not be a complete stranger. It may be your husband, your wife. It might be your children. It might be your parents. It might be your neighbor next door. And God's just dropped something into your spirit. Because your heart is open. You've got this confidence that God is going to speak to you about it. And he will reveal in that very moment what you need to say to those people. Can I say that this, this isn't hard. It just takes practice. That's it. I am reasonably fit. I wasn't, but now I'm reasonably fit. How did I get reasonably fit? Practice. Practice. Started to watch what I eat. Jane watched more. <laughs> Praise God for our wives, guys. I started to go for a run. How did I start to go for a run? I, I'm doing like 5Ks now in 22 and a half minutes. Okay? That's pretty quick. How did I start? I started by running for a minute and recovering for two, by walking. I walked for two minutes and I ran for a minute. That's how I started. And slowly I decreased the amount of rest and I increased the amount of ex, uh, physical exercise that I needed to do. That's how I did it. It was as simple as that. So today now, I'm running full, full on, running fast, 5Ks in 22 and a half minutes. It took practice. That's all it took. God is at work all around us through his Holy Spirit, and he's speaking to us right now. Jesus saw people as the Father showed them to him. Such was Jesus' relationship with the Father that he recognized what his Father was doing when he was doing it. I'm a bit slow. Sometimes I saw like, realize I should have spoken up about five minutes ago and, and I've missed the opportunity. But more and more as we start to train ourselves and be open to what the Spirit of God is saying, we're going to diminish the time where we think, gee, I should have spoken up three minutes ago. You know, gee, I should have spoken up. Hang on a minute. I think God's saying something to this person, and I can start to share that in the moment. 
It's a matter of training ourselves and practicing and stepping out in faith and courage to be able to do what God is asking us to do and to say what God is asking us to say. Is that fair? I believe that God wants us to come in simple confidence and allow the Holy Spirit access to our hearts. The Holy Spirit will tell us what the Father is doing and what he's saying. I pray that we cultivate that kind of relationship with the Holy Spirit. I, I pray that we cultivate the kind of relationship where I hear what my father's saying and I have that, that moment where I say, you know what, it's a done deal. I'm, I'm just stepping into that moment. I'm stepping into that word. I'm stepping into that expression of what God wants to do. Jesus saw the Samaritan woman at the well and he reached across cultural boundaries. Jesus saw the fisherman by, uh, you know, at the, uh, uh, the side of the, the lake and he birthed the early church. Jesus saw them and he reached across boundaries and divides because the Holy Spirit was active in those moments, revealing what Jesus was, to, to Jesus what was about to happen, what he was doing. And as he stepped out, things changed. Things uh, you know, like realigned themselves according to the kingdom of God. At the same time, people noticed Jesus. They saw him, they heard him, they were drawn to him, they changed their position to be able to connect with him because there were some moments that were open. They were open in those moments. There was something about Jesus that attracted people to him because they felt safe and they felt valued in and around Jesus. People were willing to reach out to Jesus in such a way that they do things that could have cost them their freedom or be shunned by their community, or even be ridiculed by their community and their families and friends. Zacchaeus climbed up a tree to get higher and to see Jesus, but he actually reached heaven instead because salvation came to his home. We think he just climbed a tree. No, he climbed himself way into heaven. A woman with an issue reached across the boundary of social etiquette to touch the hem of Jesus' garment and was healed of a debilitating sickness. Jesus saw people and people saw Jesus. Jesus was present with people and people were present with him. Now, what do I mean by present with people? When we're present with people, I mean that we can be with someone but not be present with them. We're not engaged with them. We're there physically, but we're not listening or noticing them. Being present is one of the greatest acts of valuing another person that we can give. Because we are giving them of ourselves. We are saying, you are valuable. I am here for you. I'm looking at you. I am listening to what you're saying. This is a skill and a discipline that we must learn. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, it says, when he saw the crowd, when Jesus saw the crowds of people, his heart was moved deeply with compassion because they seemed weary and helpless like wandering sheep without a shepherd. Jesus saw these people. He was present with them and saw them in a way as similar to sheep without a shepherd to guide them and to protect them. And like sheep, wander, people wander off and they get into trouble. They make bad choices. They, uh, they're attacked by predators. They hurt each other and they don't find what they need to survive. Jesus saw these people. He saw their condition. He saw them as people without leadership, without direction, without protection. Jesus saw them because he loved them and he cared about them. He was moved deeply with compassion, it says. 
Jesus saw them because he saw their need. They needed forgiveness, healing, hope, direction, purpose, answers and salvation. And Jesus saw them because he knew that he could meet their needs. He was their healing. He was their salvation. He was their grace. He was the forgiveness that they needed in their world. Jesus knew these people needed someone to guide and to protect them. Jesus knew that they weren't, uh, there weren't enough workers and that we needed to send out workers to these people. So who were the workers that Jesus wanted? Turn to the person next to you and just simply tell them, I'm one of those workers that he's talking about. I am one of the workers that Pastor Gary is talking about. I am one of those workers. The workers are people who followed Jesus, who could see the same thing he did. Lost people, confused people, aimless people, looking for someone trustworthy to guide them. Jesus wants his followers to love, guide, and care for those in our communities who have no direction, who are hurting, and they're lost, and they need Jesus, having a compassion on them like Jesus did. Has anything really changed in the 21st century? There are still people in our communities that are lost, confused, and wandering around aimless. There are people that we live next door to, we live across the road from, that are in the same school groups that we're a part of, they're in our workplaces, they're in our shopping centres. We drive past them. There's still a huge harvest of people far from God and still very few workers willing to build trusting relationships and lovingly point the lost and the hurting to Jesus. Every day, newspapers are filled with stories of people who are lost, confused, and aimless, who've gotten into trouble. We all know people like that. What would happen if there were enough workers who genuinely cared about people enough, who were far from God, and who could serve as guides towards Jesus, the ultimate good shepherd? How different would our communities be? How different would the the crime rate be? How different would the, the ramping issues be at our hospitals? Many churches, ours included, have been so focused on attracting people to our Sunday worship service while seeing our level of success, some are seeing a level of success in that, But we aren't, and many others aren't either. I believe our Sunday services are important. We do need a good Sunday to have a good Monday. But the reality is this. There's a growing number of people in our communities who aren't interested in attending a Sunday service, listening to a sermon, or even praying a prayer to Jesus. Yet Jesus was clear about whom he came to reach. Mark chapter 2, verses 16 to 17 says, Jesus says, the healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I've come to call those not who think they're righteous, but those who, think, who know they're not. Jesus is asked why he's spending so much time with tax collectors and other known sinners, such scum as the Pharisees labeled them. These shunned people 
were clearly outside of the established religious institution. And I love Jesus' response to the, to the Pharisees. He says, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. And I've come to call not those who think they're righteous, but those who know that they're sinners. Time and again, Jesus modeled the principle of reaching out to people who didn't have a place in the Jewish synagogues. He reached out to them. For whatever reason, they were disqualified from ever coming to church. And I pray that we as a church are known for actually qualifying the unqualified. We're the ones that reach out to the ones that everybody else says, they they don't have a place in society, they don't have a place in our community. Those are the very people that we need. Jesus touched unclean lepers and healed them. Unclean people touched Jesus and he healed them. He cast out demons from people who were held captive by them. He struck up conversations with outcasts such as the Samaritan woman at the well. He argued for grace to be given to a woman who was caught in the act of adultery. And instead of arming himself with stones to confirm her guilt and and, and execute judgment, he reached out to her in love and grace. Jesus saw people. Jesus noticed people. David Pollock in his book God Space says this, Noticing is a prerequisite to caring about others and serving them in tangible ways that smuggles the gospel into their hearts. I love that. What a great saying. I, I don't know. We need to be smugglers for Jesus. Ah, Jim Boy. As a pirate, sorry, I, I digress. See, noticing is, what is, is the first step in becoming aware of another person, but also in paying attention to the Holy Spirit's activity in their world. Sadly, there's many times I'm with someone, but I'm not present with them. It's not that I don't want to be with that person. It's just that I'm easily distracted. Oh, look, a bird. I think at some level that we're all a little bit like that, aren't we? One of the greatest gifts is that we can actually give the gift of presence. We all have things on our minds. Oh, look, a squirrel. I think we need to just give the gift of ourselves in these moments. This week, at the start of my day, I I prayed to the Holy Spirit. And I said, Lord, would you help me to connect with someone today and engage them in a spiritual conversation? I I prayed it. I I said, God, I believe you're going to do this for me. I I was in my office that morning and uh, I was doing admin stuff, getting phone calls, messages, emails out of the way. And a contractor came into my office and he came to do some work that we'd engaged him for as a church. And uh, as, as he came in there, I apologized for the mess on my desk because I had stuff everywhere. That's just the way I work. It, it, it's ordered for me, but to you it look like a mess. But I know where stuff is. But he comes into my office. And I'm, I'm busy doing my stuff with, with my work. I'm, I'm thinking, my work became my distraction. Oh, look, a bird. My work became my distraction. This guy came in. And it was actually a, a, a couple of minutes later, probably about five or ten minutes later, he's still in my office doing some work. And I'm, I've gone back to my work. I'm just, yeah, this is what you need to do. Great, fine. And he, stu- he struck up a conversation with me. And he starts to tell me about things that are happening in his world. I'm thinking, 
He's talking to me. And I suddenly realized the Holy Spirit was in that moment. It had taken me 10 minutes to catch up. Because I wasn't in the moment. I was busy doing what I was doing. And sometimes there's going to be interruptions in our day where it's inconvenient. And the Holy Spirit's going to show up. And he's going to say, I need you to talk to this person. In fact, I'm going to make him talk to you. And we had this conversation. We, we spoke for a little bit. I saw that he was struggling. He, was, he had a, a, some pain in his knee. So I said, hey, you're in a church. We pray. Can I pray for your knee, please? He said, yeah, sure, go for it. So I'm, I'm, I don't believe he's a Christ follower. So I just prayed for him. And part of my prayer was, Lord, in this next week, I pray that this guy actually starts to head out and do some running because we, we talked about some familiarities and connections like we had in common. I said, God, would you help? In this next week, can you go? His knee gets so much better that he can go out running again. And we, we wound up the conversation. And as he left my office, he said, I'm going to give you a ring next week. I'm going to tell you how my knee is. Three times before he left that morning, he says, tells me, I'm phoning you next week because I want to tell you how my knees go. He had more faith than me. <laughs> I'm saying, I, I just want to pray for this guy. I just felt like I needed to pray. Now, whether or not his knee is, it, it gets better, we've, we've started a conversation. We've started a conversation. And all it took for me to do was to be present. I believe God brings these moments along our pathway so much more than we actually realize that he's doing. I believe that there are more opportunities to share and to engage someone in a simple dialogue, a conversation, not a monologue where I'm telling people what they need to believe and, and how they need to get their life right. And if they're not in church on Sunday, then you know the, the, the heavens are going to part and, and there's going to be this big cloud that's going to come and there's going to be a crispy bit on the pavement. That's not what they need to hear. They need, you know, tell me about your world. What's happening in your world? I know this, this guy. He's, he's got a four-month-old daughter. He's so proud of him. He showed me the photograph. We've started a conversation, you see. He felt safe enough to be able to share about his family with me. God loves this guy so much that he arranged for him to meet me in my office. And God loves me so much that he answered my prayer. Noticing is a spiritual discipline of seeing God at work all around us. Exercising this discipline challenges us to broaden our focus, to slow down the pace of our lives, and to witness God's grace in ordinary people, ordinary things, and ordinary events. Jesus was a noticer. Matthew chapter 9, what we started with, he saw the crowds and he was moved. Jesus saw the crowds. He saw the people. He noticed the crowds first and then he shared his vision and the desire for workers who could shepherd those people. He shared that with his disciples. He said, do you see these people? They need someone like you, Peter, to talk to them. Like you, John, to share the love of God. Like you, James, in the area of leadership. They need, they need people like you guys to speak into their world. And as we go about our work, as we go about the things that we do during our week, 
God's going to show up and he's going to say to you, hey, see that person? They need what you've got. Go and just say, how are you? Are you doing all right? Do you need a hand with your shopping? Do you need me to pay for your petrol? The disciples might have missed the tremendous needs of the crowd if Jesus hadn't pointed them out to him. Jesus is still pointing out people around us today through the person of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is still working in people's lives around us today and the only way to reach them is through people who are walking with Jesus as he points them out to him, to them. What could happen if we made a conscious choice to start noticing people around us as the Holy Spirit points them out this week? Not just for this week, but from this week. What if we, we started to do this, not because this is what we're talking about this week, but no, from this week, I'm going to start to notice people. See, today marks the start of daylight saving in South Australia. And many of us needed an alarm clock to get up and wake up today. Probably not in that order. It would have been helpful if you, you woke up, then you got up. Okay. <laughs> but there's a more important reason why we need an alarm clock today. And the reason is because it's harvest time. John chapter 4 verses 34 to 38 says this. And Jesus said, and he's just finished talking to the Samaritan woman by the, the well. And the disciples have come back from getting Maccas and they're sitting down and they're talking with Jesus. Jesus said to them, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvesting. Listen to this. But I say, wake up and look around. That's why we need an alarm clock. In this series on why, we need an alarm clock because we need to wake up because the harvest is ready. There are people now who are ripe for the plucking into the kingdom of God. There are people that we will sow seeds. There are people that we will be the water that they need to continue their journey until they're ready for being harvested. But right now, today, at this instant, there are people who are ready to be harvested. And Jesus is saying to us, Wake up and look around. In other words, start to notice. Start to notice what God is doing. Let's just stand. I'm done. Just as we're all in this, you know, warm and fuzzy moment. I, I pray that we would hear the alarm clock going off. And that we would realize that we need the alarm clock because it's time to wake up. It's time to notice people and to engage them wherever they are. To be present in conversations. I'm shocking at this, honestly. Jane will tell you. And quite openly, uh, as she should, because she's my stopgap. But there are times where in, in meetings and stuff, I'm talking about stuff and I, I put something out there and people are starting to talk into that, but I'm moving on to the next subject. 
I'm, I'm finished with that. I've said what I needed to say, and I'm moving on. And that doesn't value people in that meeting. And I'm trying to address that and stop that in me. I'm trying to be present in them. This is a challenge for me. It's not something I'm good at. But with the grace of God and the, and the help of the Holy Spirit, I can start to notice those moments more and more, in particular in meetings, but also with the, the people that I find in my world, with the people that I find that I'm, I'm talking to, that I'm touching base with, that I'm shopping with, that I'm, I'm having fun with in the Mount Barker Business Group at the Summit Tracks four-wheel drive club, at the park run. People are starting to notice. Number one, they notice when I am there because they think they've now got to run faster because they've got to beat me. And three of them did that on Saturday and they came and told me all about it. (laughs) But I love that because it's a conversation. It's a moment where we can be present in that conversation. I'm building relationship. They've actually told me they're not going to be there for the next couple of weeks because they wanted me to know that they're going away on holidays. And I really appreciated that. But what it tells me is that we're starting a conversation. That we're starting to build a friendship. They wanted to make sure that I knew where they were at for whatever reason. It's just happening in their world. Holy Spirit. Just, just, just articulate it in your way. Holy Spirit, help me to start to notice. Help me to be present in the moment when I'm talking with people. Maybe when I'm, I'm walking, doing my prayer walk, or I'm going for a walk in the streets, or I might be going for a run, or I might be just driving in my car, and you suddenly say, you need to turn left here because there's someone down that street that needs you. Help me, Lord, to, to be present with you when you, you prompt me in those areas. Holy Spirit, just, just ask him right now. Just ask him, Holy Spirit, would you help me to be present? Would you help me to notice people? Would you help me to hear the alarm clock going off so that I can hear and wake up and I can start to, to do what it is that you're asking me to do? Father, I ask that in the wonderful name of Jesus. I ask that in the wonderful name of Jesus. I ask that in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Next week, I'm starting a new series. I spoke about part of it, uh, the need for it in this message. In that a lot of us have never been trained in how to share our faith, how to have a conversation with someone about Jesus. I'm going to start a series called It's Tool Time. It's Tool Time. Tim the Tall Man Taylor. Oh, 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 oh. It's tool time. I'm going to equip you. I'm going to give you some tools that are specifically geared towards having a spiritual conversation with the people that we meet every day. I know that the things, if we were simply to, it's dead easy. The first one I've really spoken about today, it's called noticing. Just noticing the people in our world. I'm going to give you some tools on how you can do that, how you can start to, to work in that particular area. It's tool time. It's equipping time. And I'm going to equip us as a church to have conversations with people that open up dialogue, don't close it down. Because I believe that there are people in our world that are ripe for the harvest. And I want to see and give to Jesus every good gift that I can possibly give to him. And that is the people that we see saved. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thanks.